G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we're going to be reviewing the winners and losers from the Eastern Conference, all from a fantasy basketball perspective. Who's in, who's out, who's winning, and who's losing. Let's go! talking about G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy or an X on Ball Boys Fantasy. We are officially back in business for fantasy basketball season. Um, I've been taking a little bit of time off, uh, focusing on the fantasy AFL uh season, I guess, over the last several months, but we are officially getting back started over here in Australia. It's the 1st of August. I think this will release on the 1st of August in uh, the States as well. So it's officially time to start just creeping our way back into fantasy basketball season. Um, It'll be upon us before we know it, uh, just over a couple of months before the fantasy basketball season starts ramping up and before the actual NBA season starts ramping up. So Today's episode, we're going to be going through 15 teams in the Eastern Conference. Next podcast, next episode is going to be going through all the Western Conference teams, and we're going to be going through and just kind of refreshing ourselves, reminding ourselves who's uh, been traded, who's been added to teams, who's in, who's out on every different roster, and then the potential kind of um, fantasy basketball implications that those additions and subtractions are having on the players left on that team giving us the fantasy winners and losers. So we're talking definitely from a fantasy perspective, not from like a, you know, good versus bad from a real NBA point of view. So this is definitely just talking about who's is potentially going to see an increase in their value, who's going to potentially see a decrease in their value as well. So without uh, without wasting any more time, guys, um, let's head on into the first one. Quick shout out though. If you guys are keen for fantasy basketball and you haven't sort of um, got stuck back into it, uh, now is definitely the time to get started back into your research. And if you could please give this video a big thumbs up and make sure you guys are again subscribed to the YouTube channel because we're going to start to ramp up some of the content coming out for fantasy basketball over the next several weeks and months leading up to the start of the season. So be sure to hit that thumbs up. Really do appreciate it. All right, let's head over. So the first team, we're going down alphabetical order. The first team here, Atlanta Hawks. So to highlight some of their sort of comings and goings here, they have lost John Collins, uh, traded over to the Utah, Jay, Utah Jazz, uh, Aaron Holiday, and um, Kobe Bufkin, who I think actually, sorry, Kobe Bufkin should be in the added column there. So he's definitely added onto the team. They've also added Rudy Gay and Wesley Matthews. So... Um, not a whole lot going on here. The major piece on this one here obviously is the John Collins, um, you know, trade and him being moved over to Utah. This could potentially lead to increased minutes in the front court. The two biggest winners I've got for these guys here are Jalen Johnson and Sadiq Bay. Now, Jalen Johnson is 
particularly the guy who I am most excited about. He is someone who I've been sort of keeping my eye on for a fair while now. We haven't necessarily seen it come through in huge ways just yet, but I do still really like his stat projections and his sort of translations from college and also what he's been doing in the G League. It hasn't come across too much yet in terms of... Um, NBA performance just yet, but I do still think that he has a good, you know, amount of upside to offer us in terms of field goal percentage, rebounds, steals, and blocks. Not going to be necessarily a super high usage player. May be able to contribute a little bit in sort of out of positional assists as well. But last year he he managed to only play, um, you know, basically. 15 minutes a game. I can definitely see that going up into sort of the the low to mid-20s next year as well. So in 15 minutes, he averaged, um, you know, f- six points, four rebounds. We could easily see that go to sort of like 11 and 12 and maybe sort of six or seven rebounds as well with a couple of assists and maybe a steal and a block, which is definitely something... You know, if we're thinking about late round flyers, the end of a fantasy draft, if you've got a deeper league or especially a dynasty league, I think that is definitely someone for us to keep an eye on. Sadiq Bey also probably is a bit of a winner here just by potentially being the starting power forward slash small forward on this roster. Um, they need shooting around like a DeJounte Murray and a Clint Capella or a Kongu, depending on which one of those guys starts. So Sadiq is going to do that. But we've kind of seen Sadiq already in a starter's role. So he's a winner just by of the fact it's better for him with Johnson, uh, sorry, with um, Collins not being there than being there. But in terms of upside and what we've seen from him in the past, it's not like it's going to be anything new that we haven't seen before from Sadiq Bay. So Johnson, Jalen Johnson, that is, is the guy that I'm really looking at here. Losers, there's not really anyone um, in terms of the guys that brought it in. Rudy Gay, Wesley Matthews, Kobe Bufkin. I don't really see them supplanting anyone of fantasy relevance. So I don't necessarily think there's any losers on the Atlanta hall. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Um, all right, so that's uh, that's the Hawks done. Let's move on to... My Boston Celtics. Now, obviously, busy offseason for the Boston Celtics. couple of comings and goings here. We've lost uh, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Danilo Gallinari. Um, now, again, if I go through these lists, I'm not listing every single player on here, mainly just the ones that were rotational or potential rotational guys that were going to be in this next season. So even like a Danilo Gallinari, he didn't play a minute last year, but might have cracked the rotation this year if he'd stayed on the team. So uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some of these players moving through, but I hope I've touched on at least all of the fantasy-relevant ones. They've added Kristaps Porzingis as the big one, drafted Jordan Walsh, um, O'Shea Brissett, and Delano Banton also came onto this team as well. So a couple of interesting things to break down from the Boston Celtics' point of view here. I think, I think the winner here is Derek White. 
So he's going to potentially, or I think it's already been said as well, that he's going to be the starting point guard for the Boston Celtics. So I think that that definitely makes him a winner. I am a little bit concerned that he's going to be overhyped and overdrafted in fantasy basketball drafts this year. I've already sort of been tuning into a few podcasts and a few takes out there from other analysts, and some people are very high on him, and I can see why. He's definitely a guy that in the past has showed a good um, ability to um, get some fantasy basketball stats, but... He is also a guy that I think can be quite passive on the offensive end, especially in this Boston Celtics team. Um, He's had uh, seasons in the past where he's sort of been a top 100 guy. Um, Last year, he was the 86th ranked player, but that was, again, on... You know, 1.2 turnovers. The free throw percentage was extremely high. It was just kind of average across the board. Now, from a rankings point of view, he might come out to be sort of a top 80, top 75 guy. I just don't know if that actually truly reflects his fantasy value. So I think he's a guy that you draft more in that sort of 80 to 100 range. I've seen some people go as high as to say he's going to be a top 50 player. I don't think he's going to jump up that much uh, because you're going to still see the ball in the hands of Tatum, Jalen Brown a lot in this team. So, you know, maybe he sees a slight bump in his assists. The minute should stabilize in sort of that low 30s, so he gets a couple of extra minutes there. I just don't know if the usage is really going to change all that much. Um, and also, his value and ranking is artificially inflated by a couple of things like low turnovers. Um, and if we do see that free throw percentage, just dip back down to where it was to the 85 instead of 87.5. It's enough to sort of just see his value marginally improve, not sort of blow out of the water. So the next one here in the losers, I've got basically a few front court guys because the front court is going to be a little bit messy, I think, in Boston because you've got Al Horford, who was the starting center for the majority of the season last year. Um, Rob Williams, who was you know injured at the start of the season and had a bit of a difficulty getting his minutes ramped right up and staying healthy. And then obviously you've got the addition of Kristaps Porzingis. I think that... What we will see is Al Horford being managed a fair bit more this season. I think I said that last year, but didn't happen as much as I thought it would. Um, but I definitely think with the addition of Kristaps Porzingis, uh, Boston are going to be able to do that a little bit more frequently. And um, Rob Williams, I'm just I'm not a hundred percent sure if you can have a front court of he and Kristaps Porzingis on the floor together. It could happen because Kristaps does space the floor. Um, it's an insanely defensive line, lots of rim protection, but you worry a little bit about that kind of ability to guard in space, which Al Horford definitely provides a little bit more of. You've lost Grant Williams, who was a key proponent in guarding sort of those guys a little bit more in space, playing undersized as a, as a big man as well. So it's a little bit murky for now. I think that they're all losers. Kristaps Porzingis as well, just going from a team where he shared the, the ball with Bradley Beal on his own, now to sharing it with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, he will be the third guy instead of being the second guy on a on a Wizards team. So I think just in terms of a, a usage, that's going to be a bit of a hit to him as well. But I think his minutes should be fairly safe and he should still be a decent fantasy player. But I think just that usage hit is going to make him a bit of a loser. But it will be interesting to see, you know, Al Horford versus Rob Williams um, versus maybe ne- neither of them being the starter and maybe Kristaps Porzingis plays at the five. It will be very interesting to see how the Celtics go. Um, I think that there's going to be just a bit of a, a rotation and a night-to-night kind of changing 
um, with these guys, which might cause us a fair bit of frustration as fantasy owners. So I think they are losers. All right, let's move off the Celtics and into the Brooklyn Nets. A little bit less busy over here at Brooklyn. Um, they've lost Seth Curry, Joe Harris, and Utah Watanabe. I've mis- <laughs> misspelled his name up there. Utah Wanaba. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely have to fix that one up. But um, I've added in... And they've added in Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, Darius Baisley. They drafted also Noah Clowney and Derek Whitehead. So a couple of extra kind of rotation guys there. I don't think it necessarily impacts anyone too much at Brooklyn. I've got the winner here listed as Ben Simmons. Now, I guess this is also influenced a little bit by some news that we're hearing. Potential rumors that Ben Simmons is going to be starting at point guard. But I do believe it because you've lost Seth Curry, you've lost Joe Harris. Now, yes, you have added in Lonnie Walker and Dennis Smith Jr., but I think Dennis Smith Jr. is going to definitely be the backup guard at point guard. Spencer Dinwiddie, I also believe, will play more at the two, um, moving Mikael Bridges to the three, and you've Cam Johnson at the four, Claxton at the five, with O'Neal, Lonnie Walker... And Dennis Smith Jr. kind of being your guys off the off the bench, maybe a Cam Thomas in there as well, Dorian Finney-Smith off the bench as well. So I think that Ben Simmons being the most um, gifted playmaker and facilitator on this team, with the shooting of Spencer, McHale, and Cam Johnson on the on the court as well. I think that makes it a little bit more feasible for him to get more minutes. Now, this is maybe a bit of an optimistic take. Um, I've always been optimistic with Ben Simmons in his career, and I definitely got bit in the ass last year. So I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself, but I do think that this, of all the players, could potentially help him with Seth Curry and Joe Harris leaving, moving um, Spencer Dinwiddie more to the two guard there. But that's my early thoughts. Let me know down in the comments section below, do you think that Ben Simmons could potentially start or do they just go ahead and start a um, Spencer Dinwiddie at point guard and get someone like a Royce O'Neal or a Dorian Finney-Smith into the starting lineup and and just go um, with a bit more shooting overall in the starting lineup. Very interested to see how that comes out in the preseason. So losers, I don't think there's too much here. I don't think anyone really is a bit much of a loser here. Um, Maybe Lonnie Walker, I don't think he's going to play much of a role, but in terms of uh, fantasy relevant guys, not too much shaking on there. We'll go on to the next one, Charlotte. Again, not too much happening here. You've lost Dennis Smith Jr. as your backup point guard. You've added back in Miles Bridges from his... um, suspension, absence, um, and you've also drafted Brandon Miller. In terms of winners, I think LaMelo Ball is a bit of a winner here. Obviously, you've lost a, a backup guard. He's going to be the primary guy taking the role. He was always going to be the best player on this team. So he's a winner just by the fact that you're locking that in. Losers, I think Gordon Hayward is a bit of a loser with the return of Miles Bridges and addition of Brandon Miller. You could potentially see him move to the bench. And PJ Washington, who hasn't actually been signed just yet, he's still a free agent at the time of recording. I think the expectation is that he goes back to Charlotte, but potentially other teams might be looking to trade for him. Um, So I think his role in this team is very much up in the air. I actually do really like PJ. I think he can be a great small ball five. Um, But on this team, you know, Mark Williams, I mean, maybe he starts as the five without Mason Plumlee there. Mark Williams didn't set the world on fire down the stretch of last year. Maybe they start him to shop him around or anything like that. Um, So I've got him as a loser right now just because you've got Bridges and Miller coming in who both can play the four. 
maybe PJ comes to the bench if he doesn't go to a five. If he starts as the starting five, he could be a winner in this situation. So it's a little bit more murky, but at this stage, I have to think you've got a couple of big minutes guys coming back in. You've not really lost much. So by sort of default, Dennis, uh, sorry, uh, PJ Washington is a bit of a loser here. But again, this could change if he's on a completely different team (laughs) after recording this one. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. All right, let's go to Chicago again. Fairly dull team here in terms of transactions. They've lost Patrick Beverly, um, Tory Craig. They've added Javon Carter. So not too much shaking and moving here. I think the winner could be potentially Kobe White, who's been rumored to be a potential option at starting at point guard. Although I'm not as convinced. Um, so you've got a little question mark here. Just because I think, like, he didn't start last year when, you know, you've lost Beverly, you've added Javon Carter. There's not really a net positive or net negative there, I think, in terms of minutes of the point guard. You know, probably Ayo Desumnu, who just signed an extension as well. Maybe, in my opinion, the front runner to start at the guard position there. He started a few times for Chicago last year. So I think, in my opinion, he's the the odds-on favorite to be there. Maybe it's a Caruso. Maybe... Maybe Kobe White's out there and they just put the ball in DeRozan's hand a bit more to facilitate. I'm not too sure about that one. So he's a potential winner, although I'm not convinced. And Dalen Terry is another guy that I've liked uh, probably more than most people um, just because of his ability to play lots of different positions. So he can be um, sort of a big guard or ball handler, tertiary playmaker on this team. He can play wing. He got does a lot of those little things, that kind of connector piece. So when you um, you know lose someone like a Tory Craig and you've got a slightly older DeRozan, slightly older Levine and all his knee issues and things like that, I think that he could just maybe take another step forward. They haven't really replaced some of their depth there. So he maybe just takes another step forward. So more a deeper dynasty kind of guy to just maybe keep an eye on. But Otherwise, not not too much action happening here in Chicago. Let's move on to... Who's the next guy here? Uh, Cleveland. So, again, a lot of boring teams here. Lost. They lost Robin Lopez and Dylan Windler. They did add Max Struess. is probably their big signing. And George Niang. Probably the two guys that will play minutes for this team. And Ty Jerome, probably more of a depth piece. So, I don't really see any major winners for this team, but... The loser here, I do believe, is Karis LeVert. Um, just with Strews coming in, he is going to potentially be that fourth guy on the starting lineup for the Cavs. They've got Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, and Jarrett Allen all locked in as their big four. So you've just got now more of a mix between LeVert, George Niang, Max Strews, Isaac Okoro, all kind of vying for that fifth spot in terms of the pecking order and minutes and things like that. So I think Karis LeVert, who is someone that needs the usage, he needs the minutes and playing time to actually contribute to fantasy. He's not a guy that can do it in limited minutes and usage. Um, So I think he's pretty clearly the uh, loser for Cleveland. All right, we'll move on to the Detroit Pistons, who, again, not too much lost. They lost uh, Corey Joseph, their their favorite backup point guard, and they've added Asar Thompson in the draft, obviously pick number, what was he, pick number five, I think he was, um, Joe Harris and Monty Morris. So a few depths there, starting to move more into that winning mindset, I, I want to say, with a few vets coming to this team. So a little bit interesting to see how they line up with their starting um Starting team, do they start a Boyan Bogdanovich at power forward or small forward? I think that they should start him at power forward. Um, 
and then straight away just throw Asar Thompson in there. I'm not sure if they're going to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for Asar to maybe crack that starting lineup. Um, Isaiah Stewart, I could have put here in the losers, but I've got Bojan Bogdanovic and Killian Hayes just in... In terms of Bojan, you've, you've added in Joe Harris, who's another shooter there. So kind of two guys filling the same role, whereas previously Bojan was kind of the only guy doing that. So just in terms of value to the team and urgency to get him minutes, I think that's a bit of a hit for Bogdanovich with Joe Harris coming over. And Killian Hayes, just with the addition of Monty Morris, um, you've still got... Uh, obviously, Kate Cunningham's going to be coming back healthy. So I think compared to last year, especially, Jaden Ivey, another season, Asar Thompson can take more of the playmaking responsibilities. So I think Killian Hayes is definitely trending in the wrong direction. Maybe he, you know, revives himself as a bit more of an off guard, which he, he probably could do. But in terms of his fantasy impacts, we want him as a point guard. We want him playmaking. So his overall value, I think, either way, is going to take uh, a bit of a hit. So, yeah, I think that those guys are pretty clear losers with no one really standing out as a major winner with not too much leaving. Um, I guess you could say Cade Cunningham just being healthy is a bit of a winner. All right, let's move on to, I think we've got the Indiana Pacers next up here. Again, another team that didn't give up too much and added a few pieces here. So they've lost O'Shea Brissett, but added in Bruce Brown, Jarris Walker, Obi Toppin, and they also drafted Ben Shepard. So Ben Shepard, I don't think, will play all that much. But um, in terms of winners, I don't really see a major winner here, but I do see some losers in Buddy Heald, Jalen Smith, and Isaiah Jackson. Now, Jalen Smith, probably one of the busts of last year in fantasy basketball leagues. He just didn't seem to be very good. So they've addressed that power forward position here with Obi Toppin and Jarris Walker. So... You have to think that Obi Toppin is the favorite at this stage to start at least opening night with maybe Jarris Walker, a potential to get there eventually this season. So I think for Jalen Smith and also Isaiah Jackson, the likelihood of those guys getting meaningful minutes are significantly reduced. So I think Isaiah Jackson is just going to be that backup five, which look, we were all very excited about him last year. I was sort of, I was excited for his stat set, but pumping the brakes on sort of locking him in as that potential future starter. And obviously, here he uh, might be a backup again this season. So I think those guys are going to lose out on minutes. And I think that Buddy Heald, just with the addition of a Bruce Brown, is definitely in, in you know, um, is a bit of concern of him maintaining his starting role. If I was them, I probably would start a Bruce Brown ahead of a Buddy Heald just for that defensive ability and that um, flexibility Maybe they'd go with both of them, with Buddy Heald and Bruce Brown at the two and the three, and Ben Matherin still keeps coming off the bench. Um, what are they doing with Nemhard, who started a few games last year as well? So outside of um, Halliburton and Miles Turner, I think the starting lineup for this team is very open, but there's a lot of guys who are similar in terms of productivity and could potentially be similar in minutes. So I think of the fantasy-relevant guys there, uh, Buddy Heald... Maybe I could have put in Matherin as well as a bit of a loser, just with a bit more depth on the wing there with the addition of Bruce Brown, who will definitely get some pretty decent minutes, who was a good contributor for Denver last year. So that's the Indiana Pacers. All right, let's move on. Flying through these ones here, guys, hopefully. Hopefully I don't bore you guys too much. <laughs> Miami, now they've lost a few guys here. So they've lost Max Struess. They've lost Gabe Vincent. They've lost Cody Zeller. And... Uh, the old favorite streaming rebound guy, Omer Yurtsevin, has also walked out of their team as well. They've added 
Uh, Hame Hakez Jr. I hope I've pronounced that right there. I'm not going to be calling him JJJ. That is an insult to Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, Josh Richardson and Thomas Bryant have also come onto this team. So I think a couple of guys have got some extra value here in Tyler Hero and Caleb Martin for now. Now, the obviously elephant in the room in this one is them trying to acquire a Damian Lillard. They've let a few of these guys go in terms of trying to free up a bit of cap space in order to make a trade for him, but it's not guaranteed, and it's not, even if it does happen, it's not guaranteed to have to happen before the season starts. Early in the season, this could stretch right out until the trade deadline, and then they might not even land him at the end of the day. They don't have you know, that many great assets to trade. And obviously they're going to be wanting to keep some of their better players to make the trade worthwhile and stay in the championship hunt. So I think for now, obviously Gabe Vincent and Max Truce, the two biggest, um, you know, players missing here. I think Tyler Hero and Caleb Martin are going to take a big step up, especially if they look to manage a bit more Jimmy Butler throughout the season. So those guys, um, especially Caleb Martin, who obviously flashed in the playoffs, is going to be a guy that has to step up more so on a usage point of view and contribute more in a scoring way. He can be good across the board in terms of steals, blocks, rebounds for a guy who's a small forward, powerful, eligible player. But hopefully we can see an increase in his scoring and potential three-point output this year. Like what he did against the Celtics in the uh, the conference finals Um Hopefully we can, maybe not, obviously not to that level. We saw him fall off a little bit in the actual finals, but definitely more so than in the regular season last year. So don't know if he's going to be a huge breakout, but he can just sort of provide that consistent back-end value. And Tyler Hero, when he's back healthy, I think we can expect more of the same, if not maybe a few more uptick in, in maybe usage and points, especially if Jimmy Butler is away missing. All right, next team. We'll go over to the Milwaukee Bucks. Another boring one here, guys. They've lost Javon Carter, Joe Ingles, and Wesley Matthews. They've added Robin Lopez and Malik Beasley. Winners, none. Losers, none. You could maybe say Chris Middleton just for being healthy, but in terms of just players being on the roster, I don't think there's too much changing here. So we're going to just move on through to the next one. Milwaukee, pretty boring. Uh, New York Knicks, again, with these guys, not too much happening. They lost Obi Toppin and Derek Rose. Those guys weren't getting huge minutes anyway. They've added Dante DiVincenzo, um, who was getting rotation minutes for the Warriors. I think Emmanuel quickly could be a potential winner here just with the lack of other options at point guard. Um, so we know he plays better as a point guard rather than um, off the ball. So if he can play a bit more and have a few more reps on the ball as sort of that guy that gets minutes next to Brunson and also backing up Brunson, I think that could potentially be an increase in his value. But... I'm not going to get too caught up in that. And I think the loser here is Quinton Grimes, just because Dante DiVincenzo comes in, another kind of wing player that does a similar kind of thing to what he does, just might limit his access to minutes if they want to, you know, play Dante. If Even if it's not ahead of him, just sort of might just have a bit more of a split share between him uh, because prior to that, they were, you know, they've still got Josh Hart on the roster, RJ Barrett, so a lot of those guys in the wings, they, they are decent rotation guys, so uh, they might play small at times, with no one really there to back up Julius Randle, uh, with no Obi Toppin there, which could definitely happen, but I still think it's a net, slight negative to Quinton Grimes um, this next season coming up. Moving on, just a few more to go here, Orlando, they lost Bowl Bowl, the uh, 
the cult hero that was Bowl Bowl last season, who was a must-add at some points and a drop at other points. Uh, just craziness. But he's obviously gone. They've added in Anthony Black and Jet Howard, who they got in the draft. So not too many winners here, I don't think. Bowl Bowl... He was kind of getting a lot of minutes when a lot of players were injured, so his absence I don't think is going to really open the doors up for anyone in particular. The losers here, though, I've just kind of put the entire backcourt here for Orlando. Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, and Markel Fultz. I've kind of ranked them there in the order in which I feel the most confident that they're going to lose out. So I think Markel Fultz is the most safe just based on his production last year. What does Anthony Black coming into this team mean for them. Um, the issue with them is that also they lack spacing. They haven't really addressed it with Anthony Black. They've tried to with Jet Howard, but again, at the end of the day, he is just a rookie. Um, they've also brought in Joe Ingles, who I failed to uh, mention there, probably more just as a veteran locker room guy, so that's why I didn't include him. So, look, their backcourt, they've got Fultz, Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris still, Anthony Black, um, you know, Maybe they want to play Franz and Jet Howard a little bit at the two. They have shown a propensity to play big at times. So I feel like one of these guys is going to lose out a bit here. Um, Suggs, a high draft pick. They've obviously invested a lot and want to continue to improve him. Fultz, obviously, was probably the most productive of those guys. But both those guys lack that shooting ability, which Cole Anthony does provide. So it's a bit messy here. Maybe Anthony Black just doesn't play too much at the start of the season, although he was a pick five. So you'd have to think that he gets at least some minutes in the rotation. Um, So I'm struggling a little bit here with this Orlando backcourt mix here. Potentially there's a trade coming down the line, but at least to start the season, I think it's going to be a bit of a mess. Um, My early favorite here is that they have Fultz, and Suggs as their starting backcourt, or it could be Fultz and Anthony just for that spacing. It's a really tough call for me. Um, you know, maybe Gary Harris is out there just to sort of provide a bit of spacing um, at the start of the games when they're maybe you know trying to pretend like they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that. It's a really tough one. Uh, maybe you see the ball more in Paolo Bacario's hands and you, you have a Cole Anthony who's playing point guard, but more of that off-guard scoring type guy um, who's just there to space the floor with Paolo being the, the primary facilitator. Very tough rotation for me to figure out at this point. You've also got Franz who could handle the ball a little bit. So a really, really tricky one. I think just the Anthony Black draft selection makes things very tricky in terms of projecting them. So those are situations I usually do like to avoid uh, in fantasy basketball. So I think all those guards are losers from that point of view. All right, uh, next one here, Philadelphia. Now, they lost George Niang, Shake Milton, Jalen McDaniels, and added Mo Bamba and Patrick Beverly. So, look, minor winners here, I think, in De'Anthony Melton and Tyrese Maxey. And again, the obvious thing here is the, um, I believe, the trade request from... James Harden, he is still currently on this team. So as time of recording, he is there starting at point guard. But I do expect at some point he's potentially moved on, especially if he carries on like the the way we know James Harden can carry on. Um, So you've lost a couple of rotation guys in Niang, Milton, and McDaniels, and you've only really replaced them with Beverly and Bamba. So I think especially if James Harden has moved. Tyrese Maxey can take a huge jump forward. De'Anthony Melton is just more locked in as that really important depth-pieced six-man on this team So, and, and potential starter if James Harden isn't there. So 
I think those guys' roles are secured and locked in with the depth of this roster really quite questionable at this stage. So I think um, they're going to have a very strong starting five or six players in, in a heavy minutes rotation, whereas the, the guys on the bench here, Patrick Beverly, Daniel House, Paul Reed, Mo Bamba, Montrez Harrell, Furkan Korkmaz, Jaden Springer, like these guys here I don't see having a huge role minutes-wise in this team. So I think there's going to be big minutes for those starting five plus De'Anthony Melton to start the season, If even if, if James Harden is there. So I think those two are definitely winners in this situation. Last couple of teams, we've got Toronto. Now, they had a couple of big moves. They obviously traded away Fred Van Vliet and also lost Delano Banton. They drafted Grady Dick, um, signed Dennis Sh- uh, Schroeder and Jalen McDaniels. So... In terms of the winners here, you've got a few winners here. I think Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam are big winners just by the loss of a Fred Van Vliet in terms of his usage, also in terms of his playmaking. Um, I think the primary responsibility that will go to those wings uh, in Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, who are already doing a lot of that. I think Scotty Barnes is probably the guy who sees an improvement the most with Siakam already being that guy that was getting sort of five or six assists a game. So Scotty Barnes, I think, will take another step forward, who was maybe a little bit of a disappointment last year. I think he'll bounce back. Um, And then Dennis Schrader, obviously, he's basically their only point guard aside from Malachi Flynn on this roster. Uh, Again, Toronto, always weird, weird rosters. So I think he gets a decent amount of minutes just by... Default, I guess, but again, sometimes Nick Nurse does some. Oh, sorry, not Nick Nurse anymore. Sometimes the Raptors do weird things with their lineups, but maybe that changes under a new coach. So we'll have to wait and see a little bit here, but I do still think that their bigger lineups of OG, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and Jakob Pertl are going to be their main contributors in terms of minutes. Then you've got players like Gary Trent, Dennis Schroeder, um, Grady Dick potentially as well there. I also think that the inclusion of Jalen McDaniels hurts someone like a Chris Boucher. So between him and Grady Dick, who can play that sort of power forward, small forward uh, type, they've also still got, obviously, um, Precious Achua there. I think that the time of Chris Boucher has come and gone a little bit, and I don't think he's going to be very fantasy relevant this season, even if there are maybe some injuries. Uh, But we'll have to, obviously... Wait and see. The last team here is probably the most relevant team. So we'll spend a little bit of time going through these guys to wrap up the podcast. The Washington Wizards. Now, they've just gutted their team. They've gone and hit the complete reset, rebuild um, mode. Now, they traded their two best players in Christoph Porzingis and Bradley Beal. They also traded Monty Morris, who veteran point guard. And they've got a whole bunch of young pieces, depth pieces back. So Jordan Poole, they've drafted Bilal Koulibaly, Tyus Jones, um, uh, Landry Shamet, Ryan Rollins, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Mike Muscala, and Danilo Gallinari have joined this team. So lots of ins. How many of those actually get game time is the different question. So the biggest thing here, obviously the biggest winner in my opinion, is Jordan Poole. Now, I was very anti-Jordan Poole last year who was getting drafted from memory in the 60s or 70s, um, with playing off, off the bench behind Clay and by Steph, 
this season, I think he's going to take a huge step forward. We've seen stretches of Jordan Poole be a top 40 player. We've seen stretches of Jordan Poole being a top 30 player uh, because of his scoring, his threes, his assists, his enormous boost to your free throw percentage, which is his best category, um, especially when he gets the usage and the minutes. Um, he actually was had a down year from the free throw line. The year before, he was above 90%. Last year, he was 87%. Um, so if he can get close to that 90% mark again on five or six, seven-plus attempts, maybe it's even more than that. He's going to be probably potentially even the number one guy when it comes to free throw percentage, but definitely in the top tier of guys for that. He could score close to 25 points. Um, you know, He played 30 minutes and scored over 20 points per game last year. The thing you do have to keep in mind of, though, is the lack of steals, blocks, the poor field goal percentage, and high turnovers. So he is got going to be someone that maybe the rankings don't love as much as what his value will actually be because in a punt field goal percentage build, in a, in a, a team where you don't care too much about um, you know turnovers, he's going to be someone who's extremely valuable. It's, it's hard to draft guys that score 25 points and shoot 90% from the line on six-plus attempts. Like That is extremely, extremely valuable. So... Um, and he's probably going to get five-plus assists this season. So I think he's definitely someone... I'll be interested to see where his ADP is. I'm yet to sort of do my full projections or anything like that, but I would lock him in as a top 50 draftable position guy. Um, Probably maybe around that 40 mark there, and um, potentially... It'll be difficult to see. It could be a bit of value. It could also go the whole other way, and people could get very overhyped and start drafting him inside the top 30, top 25... Um, I won't be going that far, but I do think he's definitely a top 50 asset at this stage. I'll reserve my right to change my mind. The other guy here that I'm very interested in, in is Daniel Gafford as a very good shot-blocking big man. Um, just your classic big man stats guy. Their lineup and their roster has very little center depth. They've got Mike Muscala there, who... How many minutes does he play? Do they roll many minutes of Kyle Kuzma or Gallinari being their center? I don't think so. So really, Daniel Gafford is going to be forced into big minutes. They might make some moves, and he's not guaranteed to be the set starting center for the entire season, so keep that in mind. But especially early, if this is how the roster is going to be set up, um, he's definitely someone that we need to monitor and could be a huge sleeper come draft season. So last year in just... Over 20 minutes per game, he put up 9 points, 5.5 rebounds, 1.3 blocks. We could easily see that be, you know, 13 points, 8 or 9 rebounds, um, nearly 2 blocks per game on sort of 65 to 70% field goal percentage. So that's definitely really good value for a late round player that you can probably get closer to that 100 mark. So... Now, we always need to be careful with guys who are probably better fantasy players than they are real-life players. Um, You know, see Jalen Smith of last year. So I've got that little asterisk next to him. But if we could guarantee he's a 28 to 30-minute-a-night guy, massive upside in terms of fantasy basketball and his rankings. Kyle Kuzma is obviously another big winner. I think he and Poole are going to be the guys that drive this offense, and a lot of his value comes from that. So that's good. Tyus Jones, I think, could be a winner as well. Um kind of between him and Dillon Wright for that starting point guard. Maybe they even start pool at point guard as well, but I think he should at least get a bit of a bump. And he's always been a guy that when uh, John Morant went down, we went and streamed him. So he could be a late-round flyer for assists and steals. So definitely someone to keep an eye on as a potential late pick. And then Denny Avdia as well. 
he's a guy we've kind of been waiting for. Um, just the minutes will open up. The maybe the playmaking responsibility opens up for him. I'd have to think that he starts uh, on this team at the moment. I mean, Poole and Kuzma are, and probably Gafford are the main guys that probably do start. Do you then start either Tyus Jones and Corey Kispert? Do you throw in Denny Avdia in there? Does Bilal Koulibaly get the um, get the gig straight away? I think that last one's a bit unlikely, but you never know. Could could definitely happen. He was obviously their draft pick this season. so. Um, but I have to think that Danny Avdia will be there in some capacity and will get a decent amount of minutes this year. And obviously the lack of a huge loss in usage and scoring from this team he has to get at least some of that, in my opinion. So I think he definitely is going to be a draftable player. I don't know if his upside is super high, but he is definitely someone to at least you know put away in a little black book and uh, and see how we go. And losers, there's none. I think everyone here on this team gets a bit of a boost because obviously you've had two insanely high usage guys and um, you know the two best players on the team leave the team. Everyone's going to see a little bit of an uptick in their value that was uh, previously on the team as well. So. That will do it for us today, guys, going through the Eastern Conference. The next podcast, we're going to go through all 15 teams in the Western Conference, and then we're going to start to really get the uh, the preseason machine and ball rolling. So um, we'll start to talk about the first round mock draft, which I do every year, one of my favorite videos to really get me excited for the fantasy basketball season. We're going to talk about all sorts of things in the future, bus, sleepers, deep sleepers. Uh, we're going to have plenty of mock drafts coming up. We're going to continue to touch on a bit of Dynasty as well well um, leading up to the start of the season. So make sure you guys are tuned in, hit subscribe, give this video a big thumbs up and thank you very much for listening guys. We will catch you next time. Bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.